Welcome to the Conversations About Light podcast, a King's Cross podcast illuminating our desire to engage in lighthearted conversations that are grounded in scripture. Our hope is that through these conversations, our community will be encouraged and grow in their curiosity about light. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations About Light. You're joined with myself, Caleb, and Jib and Josh. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Uh, We are continuing into our um, series, Eternally Human. With uh, this episode, we're going to be talking into gender. So, Mm. very excited about that. Um, Big topic up. Big topic. I'm sure we'll solve everything in 18 minutes. That's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the um, ambition. <laughs> yeah, so so it is a big topic. Looking forward to it. Uh, but before we jump into it, mm-hmm. the question I have for you guys today, and I apologise if I've asked <laughs> this before. I'm sure we'll get a different answer anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Test our consistency. What's the one item of clothing that you cannot live without? I don't think I'm precious about any of my clothes at all, to be honest. Really? So you could live without clothes? <laughs> like in a new, Oh, gotcha. Oh, do you mean like a... Well, I guess... No, no, I'm just trying to understand <laughs> what you mean. I mean, if I need... If I can only have one item of clothing, I'm like a, like a big onesie, please. But um, no, uh, years and years ago, um, my, my people I knew could spot me from very far off for my purple hoodie and my um, purple tartan... Uh, kind of winter hat that folded over the ears um, and I was just I would take them everywhere I went and kind of get them for way way too long so for a while I, it seemed I couldn't live without those what about you Josh? oh I don't know I tend to similar to you I'll probably keep things for way too long so um, if we have to go personal I'll probably underpants I couldn't live without yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> and then my wife finds them and throws these are too old and gets rid of them yeah. Yeah, my, my so wife underpants, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm choosing. Lock, locking it in. <laughs> yeah. My wife is how I know when clothes are too old as well. And she's throwing them out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, well, the scripture we're diving into today is Genesis 1 verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What are we noticing within this piece of scripture? Yeah, I think... Um, Gender is a huge topic, but in the Genesis 1 uh, story, the, the first thing you notice is that they are made in his image. Yeah, um, Male and female are both in God's image. And then when you think about God, you know, is he male or female? The question's wrong. <laughs> He's neither. He's God. <laughs> yeah, and the image of God is reflected in male and female and so even God himself talks about himself as a mother hen who wants to gather Israel you know close to him to himself so God uh, describes himself as a mum yeah. he's he's described as our father of course well so God is, is outside of gender but the image put into mankind male and female is that we bear his image together and so um, I think that's one one thing we notice is that the image of God is not particular particularly male or particularly female, it's male and female. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what are you noticing, Jib? Yeah, I think that's really good. It's, um, I think some people, I mean, I haven't really heard it in the church much, but some people will say, oh, God is a woman or something like that. And, and I think that 
that's not what Josh is kind of alluding to <laughs> yeah. at all. Good um, pick up. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, God is um, fully real but also fully immaterial, does not have a body, yes. does not have, mm. you know, genitals or anything like that, does not have hormones. And But his role um, over everything is absolutely in the, there's this um, precious preciousness in motherhood that we see God adopt, God the Father uh, um, adopt over all creation. Um, also, as the um, husband, this is going to come up as well. Um, if not in the rest of this conversation, it's going to come up in discussion this week anyway about um, uh, man and woman roles in the family, and we see mm. sort of headship uh, there. Mm. What I mean, to, what I mean to bring that up now is we see God adopting that role as well. He is the head over the yeah. church, over all creation, over all creation, absolutely. And so, in that way, He is clearly. Um, mm. The father as well, but the important thing in this passage in particular is both male and female image God. Neither one does it more than the other. Neither one does it better than the other, and neither one is above or below the other. Even though God is over all creation, mm. his adoption of he—that's not how he asserts himself over all creation. He, he is over all creation by virtue of being the creator. He uses he and him not to assert himself over creation. Well, the theologians talk about anthropomorphic language, which basically means describing God in human terms. Sure. So God stretches out his arm to bring, bring salvation. Does God have an arm? No, he's God. <laughs> God sees all things. Does God have eyes? No, he's God, but he sees all things. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have, so the point is anything that is anthropomorphic or describes God in human terms is just a way of us being able to grasp who God is. Very good. But it's not it's not it's not meaning that God has an arm or or that God is male or God is God is God he's he's separate from all those things he's separate from the creation and so that's a beautiful thing I think maybe this text obviously is pre fall then again you get into yeah. brokenness because <laughs> it yeah. falls and then the struggle of 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 male and female of sin yeah affects affects gender you know um, so the brokenness that enters the world affects our gender. So the assumption then is that when brokenness affects something, it it has a sinful component to it, and so that's totally possible. I think probably in our current society, the, the move is to say everything in gender is perfect. There's no there's no brokenness in it. It's all per- whatever you choose, whatever's perfect. It's all perfect, you know. Yeah. And so the biblical doctrine is that no, it can it can be broken, and we and we kind of experience that in the world. Even not just in in maybe people who struggle with their own gender identity, but even in maleness and femaleness, you experience brokenness Absolutely. there, and in, and in gender identity. So the 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 teaching of the scripture is that male and female reflects God, but there's also capacity for brokenness in it, for sure. And the beautiful thing uh, we were talking about earlier is that there's this hope. Again, the resurrection speaks to all of this. You know, when Paul says there's neither male nor female, well, what does that mean? You know. Um, he says, "Is neither slave nor free." So in heaven, there's not going to be masters and slaves. <laughs> That's finished. <laughs> That's yeah. that part of sin. That part of bro- is broken. Um, even when, you know, Jesus says, "There's no marriage in heaven." So that marriage is finished. And what does that mean? I, th- I take it to mean that what we're going, we're obviously being married to Jesus, and so marriage in its human earthly form becomes so irrelevant because something is much more glorious has come about, something much more beautiful. Yeah. We're married to Jesus. Well, marriage is like, I know it feels weird now because it's like, how can, it, what, what? 
but it'll just be so much more beautiful, so, so much surpassed. And I take it when Paul says that there'll be no male or female, I'm not making a definitive statement about what the bodily resurrection will be, right. but what it, what it is saying is male and female will be so surpassed by the glory of sin disappearing forever that it'll just be glorious and beautiful and gorgeous. Anyway, the, the point is that there's all this hope that's drawn into gender, which gender can feel like sometimes a real struggle yeah. in the earth, and or, or personally you may struggle with it, but there is real hope that this will be so surpassed by something so much more beautiful and glorious and sinless. Absolutely. Yeah. And what a great hope that that is as well, that um, you know, we can pursue and experience some healing to some degree um, from that brokenness uh, that the world has in this life. But we can expect full, unreserved healing um, in the resurrection in eternity with our Savior. That is, yeah. what a relief that is, whatever else it is that we're struggling with, but we're, we're focusing on gender today. Um, whatever aspects of that uh, are broken and are bringing pain, um, we can look forward to healing and that pain going away in eternity with Jesus. What a wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah. I love how um, at the front of it all is that we have the image bearers of God, we have the thumbprints of God yeah, in each nice. of our lives, which is yeah. really beautiful reminder that when we're dealing with issues like this, which I think gender is a very um, hot button topic at the moment in mm. in Western society particularly, is that when we're dealing with these issues of gender to remind ourselves that we're dealing with image bearers of God. Yeah, very good. Um, Always. That that's sort of the the foundation of yes. like these are these are humans who God so dearly loves. We're yeah. humans who God so dearly loves and yeah. it's not trying to create a us versus them separation but mm. okay, how does how does God speak into our lives? Um mm. so with with that uh, the thought that I'd love to maybe explore a bit is how um, I'm sure we all know someone or are currently um, walking with a friend or a family member or put, might even be um, our own experiences, our, our own yeah. experiences mm. where we're dealing with gender identity. What's a biblical perspective of how to journey with our own experiences, how to journey with our friends, our family? How do we, with empathy, approach this I think one thing, the starting point for all of us, no matter what our experience is, a lot of us will be in sort of, let's say, a majority experience um, where we we are men who are happy to be men or we are women who are happy to be women and think we might feel like we're sort of in the ideal there. We've got it all sorted in that regard. Um, we understand there's a lot of brokenness within that as well. Sometimes we um, there's toxic masculinity let's say toxic, toxic femininity, femininity as well, where stereotypes are, um, come out to the detriment of those around us and the detriment to ourselves. There are ways in which we sort of idolise our pursuit of manliness or womanliness. And there are many ways that even within um, churched Christian culture that we kind of put stereotypes, we carry stereotypes on ourselves from our experiences and from our historical experiences and go, that's biblical, um, and so we need, to, we need to shed those when we come into these conversations and understand that a lot of what we carry from just what, what we've kind of absorbed from our experiences and the experiences of those before us isn't necessarily biblical. 
and that even if just us being in the comfortable position doesn't mean we're not in a broken position. Um, so I think we, we need that openness coming into this, um, coming into any conversation with someone else who is struggling or as we reckon with our own struggles, understanding that those who don't appear to be struggling might not be aware of their brokenness but are experiencing brokenness in manhood, in womanhood, um, in whatever else. I don't think you're meaning shed biblical framework though. Sorry, no, yeah, not yeah, at all. Just to clear. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for grabbing that. Yeah. So just the thing that I had in mind there, I guess, yeah. was, for example, um, in Western culture, at, uh, I think secular Western culture is probably very common to say, oh, it doesn't really matter who proposes to who, who asks out who, for example, yeah. right? Yeah. And then in sort of, a, um, I guess, more Christian culture who's not used to that change and hasn't sort of adapted to that change mm. yet, we might fool ourselves into thinking that a, a biblical culture there is for the man to always propose to the woman, as an example. And I pick this mm. example because it's a simple example where we can look at the Bible and go, hang on a second, Ruth and Boaz, yeah. both um, wonderful people who did fantastic things, both sinners as well, yeah. but <laughs> Ruth proposed to Boaz. And so this is, this yeah. is Old Testament. This is long even before Jesus came. Um, they're both uh, Jesus' ancestors, but it's a... It's just an example of where it's not presented as bad or sinful or anything like that. It just happened. It makes sense. And so it's an opportunity for us to go, well, hang on a second. This thing that kind of I assumed mm. was biblical about our assumptions around what we yeah. have around us is not actually biblical. So thanks for that uh, yeah, yeah. opportunity to clarify yeah. that. I do not mean to shed any um, <laughs> truly uh, yeah, yeah. biblical culture that, that sort of um, yeah. what it is about us that, God gives us in instruction or by example, but rather yeah. to uh, be prepared to uh, to be aware yeah. that a, a lot of what we carry, we assume to be biblical culture mm. or assume to be from God is actually not. And so we can open our eyes a bit yeah. to our own brokenness, to our poor assumptions that are unhelpful for yeah. other people, for how we've been hurting people because mm. we expect it differently from them, even though God hasn't put that on them. Um, yeah. there's a lot of that for us all to be open to here, I think. Good, yeah. And I think holding how you hold your biblical culture is important. So, yeah. you know, um, we hold that God made male and female and they're both in his image and that's good. Yeah. Yeah. But we also hold that it's bro- it's broken and, yeah. and, and maleness can be broken, femaleness can be, gender can be broken. So what do we do? We hold out hope and, and, and gospel uh, hope for those in those situations. So Absolutely. if someone's struggling with something, you know, if someone's impatient, we kind of come alongside them and go, there's hope for God to make you a patient person, for example. But without kind of going, what kind of idiot are you who's being impatient? Like, you know, that's not your first comment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that's never your comment. <laughs> it's your second comment. I think same with uh, talking about that empathy. You, we come alongside people and I think also moving from a – um, I think in the, in the current culture, gender becomes such a part of identity that it, that people only and, and Sam Albury, I'd say there's some great um, help on uh, on this topic from Sam Albury. Yeah. So if, we don't have the time to sort of go into the depth of it here, but I would say definitely Sam Albury stuff kind of deals all this like how do we approach this from a, a biblically whole point of view, but while being gracious, but while holding a biblical um, view of it, and that and his stuff is very helpful. Yeah, yeah very good. Um, just because I have notes from the last time I heard um, Sam Aubrey share. Um, and in fact, we probably have that because our, our Kazunas are recorded, right? And so um, we can it may be up, I think so, yeah. we might have a recording of that as well. 
Um, Kazuna is sort of, for those who don't know, it's our uh, resound King's Cross is part of the Resound family of churches and it's a sort of online conference that we do um, once in a while. We've had three so far. They've all been bangers. And the second one was Sam Albury speaking on this kind of thing. So mm. he's someone who's looked into a lot of this himself. He's very helpful in how he uh, and how he yeah. presents the truth in the word. And he, he shares that um, we all need to be better at listening very well and understanding that some stereotypes are not actually part of um, mm. the created intent for maleness versus yeah. femaleness and sort of how to love people really well. And so those are all good things to look to. I think maybe just speaking into gender for us as well. So this is kind of seems a bit like we're talking about shout sure. there, but speaking to us, like how do we reflect the image of God as, as men and women? How do we, um, so if we were to reflect God, you know, if you use the impatience example, there's a very impatient person. When they see someone who's just delightfully patient, they kind of go, oh, wow, that looks, that, oh, I wish I had that. Yeah, That's so beautiful. So in the same way, I guess the challenge to us is, is something along those lines, like how do we um, reflect God well? Um, so that's sometimes much more powerful than kind of, you know, a two-point sermon on, on, on why you're broken, everyone. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. telling the impatient person that he's impatient and super broken doesn't rescue him particularly easily. And so I think also speaking to the culture, like the church holding out a beautiful picture. And so I like what you were saying earlier, Jib, even about just kind of holding our biblical framework, but also not assuming we have it well. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking of Proverbs 31 where everyone kind of goes, oh, that means women are in the home, <laughs> which is a weird Christian perspective on Proverbs. If you read Proverbs 31 and, and do the count, there's a bunch of character things. They're like, she's like this, she's like this. She's just, just a beautiful, gorgeous woman yeah. by who she is. Yeah, good. Second highest count is all her activity. Like she's in the marketplace, she's buying properties. So, so it's like it's business, yeah. business, business, business. The home references are the third on the list, I think, if you do the count. Yeah. So that's kind of weird how our culture's gone. Uh, being in the home is the, you know, the Christian culture, I should say. Right, yeah. Whereas the kind of the full picture in Proverbs 1 is much more beautiful than that, much more holistic than that. So I'm, I'm, I'm just pushing on us, like how do we – uh, do well in this, and we all, like you said, Jib, we all experience our own struggles in these areas yeah, good. and disappointments. Mm-hmm. But how do we um, reflect Jesus more in these moments? Yeah, yeah, and even asking ourselves, like how, how, how do we wrestle with God when we have these different questions, and um, are we mm-hmm. taking it to Him? And because we know that when we go to God, we're only going to be met with kindness and gentleness and yeah i just want to say this is the kind of topic where we very easily hear someone else saying what they don't mean to say um so i I hope you're listening will have grace for us um and have if you have uncertainty around something that we're saying we'd love to have a conversation with you yeah very good just in closing what's uh, a thought that we can go into this week in the front of our minds so as, as we look at a biblical view on gender, I think for some people we find that the Bible does have more to say about the differences between men and women or men and women or the differences we often see between men and women than you might expect or the, the, yes. than you might want to hear. Yeah. Uh, but also that um, the Bible values them, um, God's word values them very equally and maybe has less to say about the differences between men and women than some of us might expect as well. And so we all need to come to it. Um, ready to receive what God has for us on gender. 
Well, I like I like Jim's thought that he just shared, but also just to say, uh, twenty minutes is up, and I, I doubt we've covered everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm sure we might have stirred up more questions than answers. But I, I love Jim's thought. Like, what is our our role in this? In reflecting God, and how do we approach it? What is the you know? The, and I love Jim's challenge from both sides. You know, um, sometimes we trust our own instincts, our own heart and gut feel. And in my experience, I'm usually wrong. <laughs> and allowing the scripture just to speak to us and just challenge us about this area. And I think finding real joy and peace in it would be a challenge because I think it can be a struggle which you circle continually. And I don't believe it has to be that way. So I think gender struggles, sometimes we unnecessarily, because of our gut and our heart, remain in certain spaces on these issues which we don't want to let go of so my challenge would be how do we begin to just ask God to reshape us ask God to bring his his um, goodness and his kindness to us and let us reflect him his image well well